All right. Well, it's good to be back. Glad to be home. Good to see everybody. And um, very excited to be back in God's Word together with you tonight. And I hope you brought your Bible with you. If you didn't, you might be able to find one in the pew in front of you. If you can't find one of those, then look up on the screen. We'll have some verses for you there. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. And I want to just share a message tonight about the kind of faith that God wants us to have. I'm very thankful for the things that God has been doing in our church. And I heard wonderful things from those who were uh, here while we were away. And I'm so thankful for the wonderful messages that Brother Josh brought the last two Sunday mornings and uh, for the messages and the Sunday evening services and just the different folks that served that way. And of course, all the different people that were praying for us and encouraged us. And one of the things I was thinking about is I was away for 10 days and just thinking about what the Lord has done and thinking about where we're headed as a church and what God is doing. I wanted to take some time tonight to go back to a passage of Scripture that God really used in my heart as we came here to start this church and so thankful for all that God has done. There were really three different passages of Scripture that God has used in a special way in my life during this time. And the first of those is found in Joshua 1.8, which says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. When you think about your life, there are a lot of people looking for success. I think everybody wants to be successful in one way or another. And the Bible is very clear when it says that success is knowing and doing or obeying the Word of God. And that's what he teaches in Joshua 1 verse 8. That if we know what God's Word says and we are careful, we, we observe to do according to all that is written therein, that then we shall make our way prosperous and then we will have good success. Another passage of Scripture that God used in my heart is in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul says that... My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of things that I feel like I need a lot of the time. I, I need some money. I, I need some people. I need some friends. I need some help. I need something all the time, it feels like. And yet, in the Bible, it's very clear that God has said that He will supply all of our need. So I realize that if God hasn't supplied it yet, Maybe that's because I just didn't need it yet. And if I needed it, maybe it just wasn't time for him to provide it yet. So I can trust in a God who supplies my need. And the third passage of Scripture that God used in the special way is found here in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And we'll look at this tonight. I want to read the first six verses. And I, I know I've looked at this passage before it, here at our church, but I want to take some time to go back a little bit in the history prior to 1 Samuel 14, because as I was reading and studying this again, the Lord really brought some things to, my, to light to me that I hadn't really paid attention to before, and I hope it'll be helpful for you tonight as well. Verse 1 of 1 Samuel 14, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which was in Migron. 
And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Now, to go back just a little bit in the history, so you can kind of catch up with where we're at in this story in 1 Samuel 14, it begins by mentioning Jonathan, the son of Saul. Jonathan, we know in Scripture, was the son of the first king of the nation of Israel. That, his name was Saul. Saul was a man with great potential. He was originally, when you find him, he was a humble man. He was a, a man willing to allow God to lead him. He also had a wonderful character quality. He was very tall. I tend to think that's a good quality anyway. And, uh, but anyway, here was Saul, and, and Samuel comes to him, sent by God, and he anoints him to be the first king over Israel. Now, if you know the history of the children of Israel, you know that God was the king of Israel, and God wanted to be the king of Israel. And yet the children of Israel said, we want a person to be our king, not just God. We want someone else to be our king so we can be like all the other nations around us. Now, this was not God's plan, but God allowed the people to have what they asked for. This isn't the point of the message, but be careful what you ask for. God just might give it to you. And uh, make sure that when you pray, asking for things, you're asking things according to His will and not our will that his will be done and not my will be done. But God gave the children of Israel their king, King Saul, and Saul begins to lead the people, and very quickly, Saul begins to lead people more to himself than point people to God. See, God puts all of us in our lives in a position, wherever we are, whether it's a low position, high position, humanly speaking, God puts us where we are because he wants us to point people to him. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We exist to bring glory to God. And Saul had an opportunity to bring glory to God, but instead of pointing people towards God, he pointed people towards himself. He did this several different times as he was king. He first gathered an army together. You can read about this if you go back just to chapter 13. He gathered an army together of some 3,000 men, and he divided it into two, piece, two parts. He took 2,000 of the men with him, and he sent another 1,000 of the men with his son, Jonathan. Jonathan and his 1,000 men went out, and they attacked the enemy, and they won a great victory. And Saul, instead of giving glory to God for what he had done, the Bible tells us in chapter 13 that he blew a trumpet, and he sent out messengers throughout the land to say that, they had won a great victory in the land, and so all the people said, Saul has won a great victory in the land. Now, Saul didn't win that victory. God won the victory, but he used Jonathan to do it. But Saul took the credit for it. Saul was more interested in bringing glory to himself than bringing glory to God. Saul, not too long after that, in chapter 13, all of the Philistines gathered together to come attack him. 
And Saul wanted to be able to hear from God how it was going to go, how the battle was going to go. And so Saul wanted to have a sacrifice made to God, which is good. So he called for Samuel, the prophet, to come and to do this sacrifice. And Samuel told him what day he would be there. And that day arrived, and Samuel hadn't arrived yet. And so Saul takes it upon himself, and he performs this sacrifice. Now you say, what's the problem? Well, the problem was God had told Saul, God had told the children of Israel that it was for the priests to perform the sacrifices and not for the king to do that. But Saul took it upon himself. He offered the sacrifice. And about the time he offers the sacrifice, Samuel comes. Saul, once again, instead of pointing people towards God and doing things God's way, decides to do things his own way. Very simply, when we try to do things our way and not God's way, we're always going to end up in trouble. Even if our way seems to make really good sense to us. I mean, it seemed to make sense. Saul is probably thinking, we're trying to go into battle. We need to have this sacrifice. Let's get it done. Wait on God. Do it in His way, not your way, because God's ways are always the best way. But then we read that they go out and they're ready for this battle. And you can read that in verse 16 of chapter 13. It says, And Saul and Jonathan his son, the people that were present with them, abode in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash, you can keep reading, and it says that the children of Israel were scattered out in the land. They were afraid because of the army that came. In fact, the Philistines made it so that the children of Israel did not have any blacksmiths in the land. They took away their tools so that they couldn't even make swords. So the only two swords owned by the entire army of the children of Israel were owned by Jonathan and Saul. No one else even had a sword to fight in the battle. Then you come to chapter 14. And in chapter 14, Saul and the 600 men that are still with him, that haven't scattered, that haven't gone away to hide in the caves, in the hills, the 600 that are left with Saul, they're waiting to see what they should do. They're sitting there trying to decide what should be done. And so Jonathan takes his armor bearer with him, and he says, let's go up. He says in verse 6, come. Let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. I think it's interesting that he says there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Jonathan had already experienced a great victory. He had led an army of a thousand, chapter 13. Now in chapter 14, Jonathan's going up with just two, himself and his armor bearer to fight against the Philistine garrison. So as we look at this tonight, I want us to think a bit about the type of faith that Jonathan had. I believe he had real faith, contrasted with Saul, his father, who I don't think his faith was real. He, instead of pointing people to God, instead of doing things God's way, he did things his own way. Verse 6, we can see very simply about Jonathan's faith, first of all, that his faith is evidenced by action. When you have Saul and his army waiting and not sure what to do, we see Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan says, come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. He was ready to go and to do what God would have him to do. I would say it this way. 
Fear is evidenced by hiding from the fight and refusing to walk by faith. That's the result of people who lose sight of what God has called them to do. See, when you forget what you're supposed to do and you forget to walk in obedience, right? Because in obedience to God's word is where we find success, Joshua 1.8. When we forget to do it God's way, we tend to live by fear instead of by faith. Saul was afraid. Jonathan had faith. Jonathan's faith was evidenced through his action. It's one thing to claim you have faith. A lot of people do that. We could go out tonight and interview people on the street. Do you have faith? Oh, yeah, I have faith. I go to church. I do this. I do that. I have faith. It's one thing to say you have faith. It's a very different thing to actually have faith. The first evidence that we see that Jonathan shows of his faith is his action. It's kind of like what some people do with social media nowadays. You know, some people present a certain image online, but in real life, they're very different. I heard about somebody recently who would get up in the morning, put on their workout clothes, take a spray bottle and mist some water on their face to look like they had exercised, take an exercise pose, take a picture, a selfie, and post it to Instagram and then go back to bed just to make it look like they had got this great workout that morning. There's all kinds of stories that have been in the news lately of people that do foolish things like that. Why? Because they're trying to get people to look at them and say, look what I do and follow me and look at my great exercise or look at my great product that I'm selling when in reality it's very different than what they're trying to portray to everybody else. Saul, I think, is a man who tried to portray this great bravado, this great leader that he was going to do something and yet he didn't do things God's way. Jonathan, on the other hand, is willing to say, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us today. You know, we laugh about somebody that posts a fake picture on social media, and yet I would say they're probably no different than the person who claims to be a Christian gets dressed in their clothing, their nice clothes, comes to church, puts a smile on their face and says, look at me, I'm, I'm living for God. No, you're not. If it's not in your heart, if it's not evidenced by true obedience to God's word. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't come to church. Obviously, you're here, right? But it's more than just putting on a show for everybody else to see. There's got to be some change in my heart that I'm willing to live a certain way because of what God has done for me. So Jonathan's faith is evidenced by his action. But then we see, secondly, in this verse, verse 6 of 1 Samuel 14, he demonstrates his faith by trusting in what God may do and not waiting to see what God would do. Notice he says, it may be the Lord will work for us. Now think about that. He trusted in what God might do instead of waiting to see what God would do. Now it's not wrong to watch and see God do something, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we wait until something else is going on and then sort of try to hitch our wagon to it. Rather than living by obedience, faith is obedience even if I can't see it taking place. Does that make sense? 
Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Bible says over again in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. He must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of him that, them that diligently seek Him. Seeking after God means I'm going to do what God wants me to do, what God says in His Word, even if I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. Even if everybody else isn't doing it. You say, what do you mean by this? Well, Jonathan says... It may be that the Lord will work for us. Jonathan didn't know for sure when he went up to this battle that he was going to win. He, he had no way of knowing that. He just knew that it might be that way. Just like if we go out to share the gospel with somebody. We don't know that somebody's going to get saved, but we know that somebody could get saved. When we study God's Word, we don't know that Oh, I'm, I'm going to just solve every problem that's in my life. But no, I know that God's Word does have all the answers for my life, so I'm going to keep studying. When we pray about something, we don't know that God's going to do exactly what I pray and ask Him to do, but I believe that He sure could. See, Jonathan here is willing to act on what God might do, what God could do, not on what God was already doing. You see the difference? Whereas Saul, he's waiting for something to happen and then he's going to try to jump in and get involved with it. Jonathan's faith was evidence because he went forward trusting in what God could do, not, wanting, not waiting to see what he would do. Now, how do you think Jonathan got to that point in his life? How could we be like Jonathan to have faith to say, I'm going to trust in what God could do, and not just wait around to see what he will do. I mean, doesn't that sound a little presumptuous? I would say it would be presumptuous if Jonathan was not trusting in God's word. Now, there's not, I realize, not a clear, full explanation of Jonathan's understanding of God's word in this passage. But I think there is a clue to it. It's found again in verse 6 when he says, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. Why did he call them that? Well, because I think Jonathan understood that God had made some special promises to the children of Israel. And one of the ways they demonstrated that they were part of the children of God's promise was by circumcision. They did this as a way to set themselves apart to say, We're followers of God. We're not followers of the things of this world. This was something that God had said specifically for the Jews. So it seems as if Jonathan understands God's made some special promises to us that he hasn't made to them. And I'm going to trust that God is going to work because we are God's chosen people. And God's going to help us win this battle because we're God's chosen people and these pagans are oppressing God's people. And so we can go in the strength of the Lord because of God's promises to us. I don't think I'm stretching it too much to make that point from this passage. See, Jonathan here, I believe he was able to trust in what God could do because Jonathan knew God's word. He knew God's promises. And I, I would tell you, if, if you want to increase your faith, you need to understand God's word. It's hard to trust in something that you don't know right? 
I mean, it's kind of like your children the first time you say, here, jump to daddy. The first time, if they're not sure about it, they may not jump. But the more they do it, the more they trust you and the more they're willing to jump. So much so, dads, you have to watch out. You can build so much trust in your kids. They just sort of leap at you when you're not expecting. And you, you just have to be ready to catch them all the time. Because they're like, dad would never drop me. So I can just leap at him no matter where I'm at. And he'll just catch me. You know, Trevor, you're too big to do that anymore, okay? But we can trust God's word. When we learn God's word, when we understand what God's word says, it gives us greater trust in what God can do. Why? Because we get to see God's previous work. I tell you, when I study God's Word, my faith in what God can do is greatly increased because I see what God did do with Daniel and those lions. I mean, think about that. That's not just some made-up children's story. That really happened. The Bible says that Daniel spent all night in that den with all those lions. And it wasn't just a few lions. You know, I know that because if you read the next few verses, when God protected him from the lions, it says that they threw all of, his, all of the enemies, all those guys that were trying to get him killed, all of them and their families and everybody, I mean, many, many, many people. The Bible says that the lions tore them apart before they ever hit the ground. That takes a lot of lions because it was probably a few hundred people. You say, Wow. God did that? Yes, it tells us in His Word. The Bible tells us that we serve a God that can shut the mouths of lions. You know, when we read in God's Word, we, we can see stories of how God protected His people. Think about Noah and his family. The Bible tells us the world was a very wicked place. Oh, by the way, in the New Testament, it says it'll become like the days of Noah again. And when it does... Watch, because that's when the Lord's coming back soon. But the world was a very wicked place. People did what was right in their own eyes. They just did whatever they wanted to do. And God came to Noah and he said, build an ark. Well, that took some faith, didn't it? Go build this boat. And I'm going to send a flood. Okay. All right, God. And he did it. And it took him a long time to build this boat. We don't know for sure how long, but... You know, like 75, 100, 125 years. It was a really long time. We just got to go visit the, the ark that they built up in Kentucky. We went last week and saw it. It's incredible. It's huge. They tried to follow the measurements from the Scripture as close as possible. Now, they don't know exactly everything, but we know this boat was massive. Why did he do that? Well, Noah trusted God's Word. He trusted what God said. Think of Abraham. The Bible says that God came to him and said, I want you to leave your homeland, leave your family, leave everything that you know, and I'm going to take you to a new land. So Abraham went. He obeyed God's word. And God blessed Abraham, didn't he? We can go on and on and on talking about the wonderful stories of faith in God's word. But we see a man here in 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan, who was willing to trust what God could do, it may be the Lord will work for us rather than wait and see what God would do. He trusted God's word. He trusted God's previous work. And I think finally tonight, very simply, we can see his faith evidenced by trusting in a God who doesn't need help. Sometimes we feel like, 
well, this serving God thing is great. I mean, the Bible is great, but maybe God needs a little bit of nudge from us or help from us to really get stuff done. I mean, where would God be without us? Now, you say that's being facetious, but sometimes that's how we live. Notice at the end of verse 6, he says, The Lord, there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. God is not held back. There's nothing holding God back from accomplishing what he wants to do. Isn't that wonderful? Our God doesn't need our help. See, Jonathan could make this statement. He had won the battle fighting with a thousand men. Now he was headed out to do battle with just two men. Jonathan understood the principle that when you're doing God's work, it's not a question of your resources, your abilities, or your finances. The difference maker is not you, it's not me, it's God. He wins the battles, and he wins all of his battles. God's work will be accomplished with or without you and me. The question is not whether or not God will win. The question is whether or not you and I will be on the winning side. It's not, well, I don't know. It's a really dark place. The world's really bad. I don't know. How is God going to work this out? God's going to work it out because he always does. The question is whether or not you and I will have enough faith to be on the winning side when he does work it out. To be with him, to experience the blessing of being with the winning team. I like to win. But I can't win this battle called life in my own strength. I don't have enough. I can't win against all the things going on in this world. I usually get online every day or three times a week or so and peruse the various headlines in the news and see things. It's really tough to even find one positive thing, isn't it? Wow, we're all losing. Whole world's losing. It is because of sin. But God will win. God always wins. I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Sometimes people are waiting to see who else will join up and then decide if they're going to get in. I would say we ought to walk by faith whether or not anybody else comes along with us or not because I trust in God. I wrote three little thoughts here of ways that I can walk by faith because that's kind of a big concept, right? So here's three simple ones. You could probably add many, many more. I can walk by faith. Number one, I can't save anyone but maybe I could see God save my neighbor, my coworker, my family member as I faithfully love them and share Christ with them. That's a way I can walk by faith. Another way, for me, I, I, I can look around and say, well, I can't build the church. Only Jesus can build His church. But maybe if I'm faithful to attend, to give, to serve, and to make disciples as God has commanded me to do, we would see God do His work and build His church. God's not done building His church. Because if he was, Jesus would have already come back. Another way I can walk by faith is, you know, while I can look at this world and say, well, I can't change the world, but maybe if I'm faithful to do what God calls me to do, God may work to bring about the change in someone's life to make a difference for eternity. 
Think of the generational impact that comes when just one person is reached for Christ. If they walk with the Lord and then they pass it on to the next generation who pass it on to the next generation, it's incredible to think what God can do through that. When you look at 1 Samuel 14, we see that Jonathan makes this great statement. Let's go over. Come, let's go over. The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. It may be the Lord will work for us. And if you read through the rest of the story, what happens? His armor bearer says, go. Let's do this. Do whatever's in your heart. I'm with you. So he goes with them and they get up there close to where the Philistines are and they call out to them, and the Philistines say, come on up. So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, there's the sign. They've said, come up, so we're going to go up. And so they go up, and they fight against this Philistine garrison, and they win this tremendous battle. As the two of them are fighting against this entire garrison, the rest of the army, those 600 men with Saul under the trees, waiting to see what's going to happen and what they should do, they're in fear. They hear the noise of the battle, and they decide, hey, we better go join them, and they join in the fight. You keep reading and the Bible says there were some of the Israelites had actually joined up with the Philistines. And so they turned and they joined in the fight against the Philistines. And there were some others, as you read about in chapter 13, and you can see it in 14, that were hiding in the caves and the rocks and the hills because they were afraid. And they came out and they joined the fight and God won a great victory that day. Remember earlier in chapter 13, Saul was taking the credit for himself. Jonathan never did that because you read, if you go down to 1 Samuel 14, verse 23, very simply it says, so the Lord saved Israel that day. I think that ought to be, if we're going to really walk by faith, that should be our statement every time. The Lord helped me do this. The Lord provided that. The Lord led me to this person. The Lord saved this person today. The, the Lord did this. The Lord did that. Give the glory to him. Real faith says, I don't have to take the credit. It's all God's because I didn't do anything to deserve it anyway. I'm just trying to be faithful with what God's given me to do. How do we have success in life? We do it by knowing and obeying God's word. If I'm lacking something, I know that God will provide all my need. If I don't have it yet, it's because either I don't really need it or I just don't need it yet. So God will provide it when it's time. And I can walk by faith, trusting in the Lord, because I know what His Word says. And if you're here tonight and you don't, we'd love to help you grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word. It will increase your faith. If you're looking around everywhere else in the world trying to find something to put your faith in, and you feel like you just can't find anything good, that's the problem. You're looking in the wrong place. You've got to look to the Lord. If you're coming to church and you're trying to do right, but you just can't seem to get ahead, you need to be alone with the Lord. Spend time in His Word and understand Him. Understand the truth of Him. I believe we could do, see the Lord do some wonderful, wonderful things. We've already seen it, and I believe we'll continue to see it as we walk by faith. But this just gets me every time I read this passage because I think about Jonathan. There he was, willing to take action. Trust God by faith to do something that God could do, not knowing what he would do. 
But then saw God do a wonderful thing, and he gave God, God the glory for that great victory that day. We serve a great God. May we walk by faith, trusting in him. Father, help us as we think about these things to live by faith, to follow you. Thank you for our time together. Help us as we go to you in prayer now in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the ways we can walk by faith is by praying. Pray without ceasing, Scripture says. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Instead of trying to figure it all out and solve everything ourselves, we need to pray and trust the Lord. I'm thankful for what God is doing in our church and as we get ready to go to prayer tonight, I want to just challenge you with a couple things and ask you to think about a couple things here. We, it's very important that we take time to focus on what's most important. And uh, that's why we come apart and, and spend some time in prayer during the middle of the week. Because we want to refocus on what's important. In our church, we desire to bring glory to God as we work to evangelize the lost and as we work to equip the saints to help people to be Christ-like and follow Him. So as we go to the Lord in prayer tonight, I want us to really be thinking about how we can and, and be praying for those on our prayer list that need Christ. And then ask God how if He would help us to be faithful to continue to do our part to win the lost to Christ. Again, we don't save anybody, but we could walk by faith in trusting God and going out to tell somebody. I want us to pray about those things so that we don't lose sight of what the Lord has us here to do. Anytime, I think, in life we can get to places where we sort of get comfortable. Things are good and things are great and so we tend to sit back and we need to stay focused on what God has called us to do there. I would ask you as well just to be praying as we look towards the next coming months, as we finish out 2019, that God would help us as a church to be faithful. God has given us so much. He's blessed us. We have something to praise the Lord about. I talked with David Cripps today. I know he was here last Wednesday night and he told me last Thursday they had a man trust Christ that's been coming to their Bible study. Praise the Lord for that. They're meeting with him Saturday for Bible study. Be praying for him. Be praying for David as he begins to disciple him. We can praise the Lord for continued growth and people coming into our church and growing in the Lord. But as we continue to grow, we need to pray that God would protect our people and help them to do right. They're, Satan loves to attack. And uh, there's always attacks coming. And you know how the attacks come? He doesn't usually bring a big baseball bat to the whole church at once. No, he's, he's working on all of us, trying to hit our weak spots. He's really good at placing his fiery darts. And so we need to be, ask God for protection and to walk with the Lord, have that shield of faith, right? So we talked about faith tonight a little bit. Because all of us are facing things. Everybody's got struggles. There's messy situations all around us. So we need the Lord's help. We need the Lord's protection. We need to stay focused on Him. And, uh, and just be praying too as God continues to 
bring folks around here and we continue to add people into our church. Um, we need to be, continue to focus on reaching those who are struggling, those who are lost. Because sometimes we can get sort of selfish, can't we? When things are good, it's like, well, everything's good and I want it my way and it's got to be just like this. Pray that God would help us to stay focused on serving Him and serving others as we should.